people are getting very creative in these things. It's very cool. We're kind of having to be because we're such a social generation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true and also not true because I feel like we also have a very introvert, isolated community or population as well in our generation. Yeah, I hope that they're thriving right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know my extrovert life has not been very, uh, very great, to be honest, just because I'm so used to like being around a bunch of people all the time. And yeah, me too, me too. I am not used to being, so I live alone now, which is cool. And which is cool when you're very social because you come home and it's just like, okay, I have my me time. Mm-hmm. But when you're not being social, it's, it's, a, it, it's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially but. when you're like being told to stay home. Yeah. Not great. No, but my apartment is very clean now. So. Hey. Welcome to the Edge of Punks podcast. This is your host, Craig Vitamin, bringing you another conversation with an everyday educator and daily disruptor in the world of the world we live in. That's it. In the world at large. Hooray! Uh, if you're like me, right now you are self-isolating because of the coronavirus. Uh, it's kind of derailed a lot of plans for um, my life, my work, my, the podcast. A lot of things. I had to cut a quick trip home. Uh, short because of uh, looming uh, restrictions in Massachusetts and in Oregon. So I didn't get to stay as long as I wanted, but still got home safely. Um, we're all good. No one's sick. So that's that's nice. That's a good thing. And uh, I know that a lot of things are really weird right now. So I was kind of like not really focusing a lot on this project specifically. It's been a really weird year, right? Like last calendar year or so. It's been really weird. I'm sharing a conversation with you this week uh, with my friend uh, Sarah Lito. Um, She is a fantastic human being. Uh, I selfishly wanted to have this conversation with her because I wanted to get to know her a little bit more because every time we kind of interact at the gig she's always really great and wonderful and I don't didn't really know a whole lot about her so I wanted to learn some more and I knew that she likes poetry and I knew that she was a woman in STEM so that enough uh, was uh, the those were enough things for me to want to talk to her on the podcast specifically. So that's what you get in this uh, episode, Sarah, and I dig into a lot of stuff. Um, 
And I really uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. You also get to hear tunes from the new Warriors album. Um, it is called You or Someone You Know. It just came out on 6131 Records earlier this month. We love 6131 Records here. Done a lot of work with them in the past. Uh, good friends of ours. And I'm really excited to share another great album that they have put out. Um, you're going to hear more from the Warriors later on. But you just heard a little bit of the song Big Feelings. Uh, and now you're going to hear a couple other songs later throughout the episode. And I like to share that we are part of the Connect EDU network. So go to connectedu.network to learn more about the great podcasts and educational opportunities you can get. A lot of folks are moving to online uh, education right now because of the coronavirus. My campus was closed. Katie's, um, we're both working from home now that we work together. Um, we're having to, uh, do a lot of stuff from our apartment, which kind of drives us a little stir crazy, but at least folks are getting creative with how we're using our um, social media and how we're using um, Zoom and Skype and all these other things that can get us connected with each other all over the world while still, or while never leaving our apartment. So I'm really excited that folks are doing that and you can get a whole bunch of cool stuff at connectedu.network. Check it all out. Um, I'm going to stop dilly-dallying and get to this conversation with Sarah Lito. Very excited for you to uh, hear what we have to talk about. Here we go. Cool. So I'm sitting quarantined uh, with my friend Sarah. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing Okay. Yeah. It's been a very chill day for me. I've spent like every day of quarantine doing too much exercise. So, or trying to do some exercise. And today I'm like, no, don't go outside. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing sort of the same thing. A lot of push-ups. Nice. Yeah. Did you see the push-up challenge that's going around? I did, yeah. I was surprised, but uh, people are doing them. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, a weird accountability thing that I don't really understand where it started or why it's happening, but people are doing push-ups. Yeah. Oh, my God. I want to know where it started for sure. Because, like, I don't know, those, like, um, ice bucket challenge, you can always find out who started that thing, but, like, you can't really, we can't really f- trace this back, like, what's happening with these push-ups. Whatever. We're not here to talk about push-ups. <laughs> But so I've wanted to talk to you for a while just as a human being, as a person, because like we've seen each other in passing so many times in Boston that I was like, Sarah seems tight. I want to chat sometime because everything you share on the Internet is like you seem super cool. So I wanted to learn more about you selfishly. But then I also think (laughs) that this is a good chance to talk to you about the things that you do like for other people to hear, too. So can you tell folks who you are, where you come from and kind of like what you do? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm super stoked. Also, I love all the things you post on the internet too, Craig. So I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, yeah, my name's Sarah. I'm from Connecticut. It's a great state. Uh, I'm from like the shoreline area. Uh, I like to start with my family just for context. Like I have younger twin brothers and that kind of shaped a lot of my like childhood growing up and, and uh, like looking out for them. And then I went to college in Worcester, uh, which I also love and has a special place uh, in my heart. And I went to school for communications and computer science. 
and now I work as a programmer. So I kind of like work in the field that I majored in, which is not super common. Um, <laughs> it happened for me. So, yeah. I'm glad for you because it doesn't happen all the time anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was a tough decision when I was deciding between like, do I want to do like more communications or writing stuff or do I want to do like programming? Um there's just a big industry for it, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Where did you go to school then? Uh, Clark University. Oh, interesting. I don't really know. I don't think I know anyone that's gone there. I know of <laughs> it, but I don't know anyone who's gone there. That's cool. Yeah. What did you like? Did you like going there? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a really small school, so it's well, it's like twenty five hundred people, maybe. Okay. So it's not super surprising if you like don't know anyone who's gone there. Uh, Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think I went to college and then I became like significantly more like liberal and progressive and like just exposed to so many different ideas. Um, So it was a really great place. People were really welcoming and like accepting there compared especially to like where I grew up. So uh, I really liked it. And my brother also went there, which was cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Was that like a concerted effort to like go somewhere that wasn't home? Yeah. For sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have other, like, where it was specifically, like, the Worcester area? Or, like, was Mass, like, something you were looking into specifically? Um, I actually really wanted to go to school in a city. Hmm. I was, like, so stoked on the idea. So I grew up in, like, uh, like a small suburb. And I was really, it was, it, like, bordered New Haven. And I really liked going into New York growing up and I was like I want to live in a city I want to go to school in a city so I applied to a bunch of city schools and Clark is Worcester is a city but it's not like Mm -hmm. yeah and I ended up there out of all of them um but I was kind of motivated by like I want to be around like a bunch of people a bunch of like different people Mm -hmm. yeah I the thing I always like about Worcester is the only times I go to Worcester (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I go for two reasons. Um, anytime there's a gig at the Palladium that I want to go to. Yep. Classic. Um, <laughs> which are typically, you know, a Palladium gig. It's like metalcore or adjacent. Yeah. Um, and then the other is pro wrestling. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You've told me so much about that. <laughs> it is... Uh, yeah, I still need to take you to a wrestling gig because it is honestly so fun to just experience a wrestling crowd. Yeah, I'm so interested to like who else is there and what the like energy mm-hmm. is like. Yeah, and it's becoming more because um, like when I was growing up, it was very not a thing that like women were interested in, and now like you just I see like a bunch of women at the at the shows just going ape shit as well, and I'm like <laughs> hell yeah, this is great. <laughs> But then there are the, you know, often uh, problematic comments that people make. And I'm like, nope, we don't make those here. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Still do bystander intervention at the wrestling gig, not just the gig. (laughs) Every gig, uh, it's possible. (laughs) Yeah, right? That's that's what I feel. And that's that's the life I want to live. So... You were doing communications and pro- and computer science. Um, what on the communication side were you, like, getting really into specifically? Yeah, so 
the major at Clark was like communication and culture. So it wasn't quite like, um, like media or like Mm -hmm. journalism or like reporting or that type of communications. It was more like, here are these theoretical texts or like, we're going to analyze movies or we're going to analyze like, uh, I took a class on like DIY media and it went from like, like Riot Girl all the way up to like YouTube and we did like a lot of projects and papers and so it was more um academic than like hands-on and so that's why I really liked it because it was like a ton of analysis and you know looking at like metaphors and symbolism and like all that fun stuff that like writing is great for so that's why I loved it uh and that's like what attracted me to it um it's very different from programming, but I really like making stuff. So mm-hmm. that felt like uh, programming was like the most hands-on I could get in a major. I don't know. Yeah, what did you end up doing uh, in that hands-on, the more hands-on major? Like that actually like kept you more, um, I guess, uh, like a- like active instead of like doing all this. You're doing all this in. Uh, analysis stuff what was like driving you in the more um active side of it like with the programming with the yeah so with the programming i guess we built a lot of things like we built compilers and we built apps we and like that that type of stuff so it felt like uh here are the steps here's the problem and then at the end there's like a final product um which is sort of like writing an essay, but <laughs> in a, in a way, yeah, it's like a very you you go through like you have your your pitch, you have yeah. your <laughs> development, your developmental paragraphs or whatever. Yeah, and you get your project, your product. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But uh, yeah, the, I don't know how to describe. Pro- it's so hard to describe programming to people who like don't do it sometimes because I don't know the best way to be like this is what I do and like this is what I build and um this is how you figure stuff out you know what I mean well you can use whatever language feels most comfortable to you because if anything I'll ask I'll ask more questions (laughs) yeah um one of my like favorite parts of programming was when I could not figure out how to do something and it would get so frustrating and it would take hours and, like, my brain would just hurt. And it was terrible. But at the end, like, when you finally figure it out, it's, like, you've learned, like, really, it's in your head. And, like, you've learned it um, from actually, that's, I guess that's the hands-on part. And, like, when you do things with your hands, it's, like, putting in all that work mm-hmm. and, like, that effort. It really sticks in your brain. Um, and it feels good. Oh, Yeah. Well, yeah. you should do things when they feel good, right? <laughs> do things yeah. that feel good. For a little bit, it doesn't feel good when you're like, what the, what's mm-hmm. going on? <laughs> How do I make this run? How do I make this work? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I went to college to be a teacher. And so when um, you're, and I, I, I can kind of relate to this in a couple ways, but for the, for now, we'll get to the other part later. But for now, what I can relate to is when I'm like specifically working on something with a student specific, like one specific student. And I'm like, how aren't you getting this? Like, (laughs) like it's like, 
I can lay it out for you in so many different ways. And then like, it's taking the time, it's putting in the effort, it's putting in the like grace that you need to give to like another person to like, cause like I have all this knowledge, um, but they haven't learned that yet. So I can't just like shove it in their head so that they have all this information it's more of a like there's a process there when it's done and then they come up to you and like I get it and I, I'm so thankful you were patient with me those are like the big payoffs in education yeah. for me at least like mm, so nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds so rewarding and that is the exact process that like I'm describing is that uh like a student finally getting something mm-hmm well, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you as a student finally getting something like that, that's a huge uh, achievement, really. What kept you wanting to do that work? And how do you do that work today? Um, I guess what kept me doing it, to to be honest, was just like, I need to get a job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I like, want to like, be self-sufficient and like, independent and move. And like, and you know, it felt like, all right, I know how to program. I'm just gonna keep programming. Um, and I definitely like my relationship with it has gone up and down. To like, I I've really enjoyed it. I've really not enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it, but um, a lot of it depends on like what you're working on and figuring out what you like, and then kind of directing your work. That one, yeah. What are the things that you like to develop then? Uh, so, like, right now I work on iPhone apps. So that's, like, what I do every day is, like, I work on this big library that a ton of apps use. Um, and actually, like, I do really like programming, but, like, my favorite part of work is, you know, talking, <laughs> talking to people and not on the computer. No, my favorite part of work is, like, um when we are collaborating and like sharing ideas and, and teaching each other um and figuring out problems together so i think once you're not programming alone like for a project uh and you are sort of have this idea of like this is our collective project it becomes like way more enjoyable um yeah so so right now that's like my favorite part i think of working is like i'm working on a project with like a bunch of people if we all care about it. So it's really rewarding. Hmm. Yeah. So it's the collaborative part of it that's doing it for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Because I always like picture, I don't know, I, I watched a lot of Silicon Valley when it was. <laughs> so like those types of developers just like sitting at a computer all day, like not really having much of a social life. It seems like you have a better balance than that. <laughs> um, those people exist. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't watched that show. I haven't watched that show because I'm a little scared of it. Yeah. <laughs> you have the HBO subscription for a week, right? <laughs> I do. I, do. Um, I think I'm going to watch the Sopranos, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you can definitely not talk to anyone and sit on the computer all day if you like wanted to. Um, but I enjoy just like the projects, like specking out projects and like, and the more planning and like collaborative part of it. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. Um, 
Because like when I was, I was also, uh, I, we'll get to this a little bit more later, but I was a, like a writer in college too. And so like my whole like writing workshop crew was like our collaborative thing. And that was like always a, whenever we would work on things together or workshop stuff, that's like the space where um, the collaboration was, you had to put your ego aside (laughs) to do this work. Is there any of that in your realm as well? Um, Yes. I think like sometimes, uh, and maybe you felt this like in your writing workshop or even like in your job now, Mm -hmm. um, like working as an educator, but sometimes there is an ego and, people's egos clash and then eventually you like talk it out and you're like oh no we need to like put aside our personal very personal opinions and be like this thing we're working on together Mm -hmm. that's that's what's important yeah um some people get into some people get heated i'm not it takes me a lot but (laughs) it doesn't you don't seem like the heated kind of type (laughs) not over code i think not over programming (laughs) we can get into feminism stuff later too if you want (laughs) i mean if you want (laughs) those are the buttons to push Uh, comes up in like the computer programming world um but yeah i am actually curious to push that button a little bit (laughs) in this realm um because it seems like it is such a male-dominated like field like being a woman in stem being a woman in programming is that like a like is there stigma there or is there any sort of like something to prove to some degree i Uh, genuinely don't know yeah um i'm before i answer i'm kind of curious like in education do you feel like it's balanced um it depends on what level you're talking about um, elementary ed, I would say it's very much like women dominated, um, middle school ed. I think it's almost split high school. I think is pretty split, but in college, um, I see a lot more like, especially in student affairs, I think more women get into the field. Um, and it's just like in my, in my program, uh, for my graduate program, there were 18 people in my cohort and four of us, five of us were men. So, um, or at least male identified. And so it was like kind of a, and even like most of the people in my office are women. My supervisor's a woman. Like uh, the, the folks who go in like student affairs route tend to be, tend to skew a little bit more women, but. Cool. Yeah. I always just like to hear about other industries because I'm, or like other fields because I've just been in this one. Um, Yeah. For so long, and it is just so uh, male dominant. It's white male dominant, um, which I think is important, uh, also. And like my first job, I was like the only woman who was an iOS developer, and there had to be like twenty or twenty-five on the team. And then, um, like my job now, our team is really are like in my like immediate team, which is maybe like six developers. I think three of us are women. Um, so that's like the most women I've ever worked with. Mm. Like, uh, it, so it's, it's definitely been 
weird there have been a lot of times where I've been the only woman in a room of like 20 or 30 men yeah and yeah it yeah I don't know it's it's kind of weird because like you imagine the dynamic of like when there are a lot of men together mm-hmm. um and so when there are a lot of men together that is like there <laughs> those type of dynamics like exist in the workplace um and just like how men talk and um how they interrupt each other or how they get argumentative um and i'm making generalizations this is just like my personal experience um but yeah, it's been like a lot of that and just being like, how do I exist in this space? Uh, I want to exist in this space. It's just a lot of learning, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand like where some of that would get pretty frustrating too, because in being a man in a very uh, opinionated, stubborn one at that, <laughs> I I can understand how hard it is to work with one of me, but to work with 25 of me, oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, some, at some points it's been like, I'm working with uh, 25 very like strong-willed people, and at some points it's been like, oh no, it's very much more like docile or uh, collaborative. Uh, like my teams and experiences have definitely evolved. So I've been like in software development for five years. So uh, it's been a long time. And yeah, the, I have come across like a lot of experiences where men will present an idea and it's kind of accepted because they, you know, say it with confidence. And then I am researching and like making sure that I'm totally backed and like I go into something and am doubted. Uh, and I think that dynamic exists like in so many other things, but it's just like so simplified. Um, and like, you don't see a lot of women above me and like, I'm an individual contributor still. So there's like people above me, like my manager and like other companies have tons of hierarchy, you know, like team leads or tech leads or, my company's more flat, but uh, you don't see a lot of women like above the level I'm at. Hmm. Um, yeah. Hmm. Okay, that was really good to like um, <laughs> put into context because like um, we hear a lot of stories about how like a lot of industries are just like um, so male dominated that it is kind of hard to get even your voice heard if you're if you're not a man so yeah that's uh somewhat validating some of the things that i've heard or have experienced i suppose but i'm sure it's not the case all the time everywhere but oh it's definitely not and like my manager now is awesome um yeah so i think it's it's so dependent also on like the type of manager you have um and whether or not they like are aware of gender dynamics. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, my supervisor right now is a 60 year old woman who's basically a second mom to me. Um, in like a, in like a good way, because like she like sees me as the son she wished she had because the son she has is not great. And she doesn't listen to this. So we don't worry about this at all. Uh, <laughs> And she'd probably still be like, yeah, I get it. Um, 
she still like kind of struggles with some gender norm stuff too. Like she's still pretty like kind of set in her ways. And so I have to like kind of remind her sometimes I'm like, Hey, here are some things that uh, actually exist in the world now. And especially like a lot of like queer and like non-binary stuff. I'm kind of like educating her on all the time. Um, but at least she's like trying. Um, Katie had a supervisor that like would not try and was like a pest about it. And so, yeah, I think supervision pit plays a huge role in this as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that also sucks. It happens, especially in education where like, I think it's a different kind of ego that happens in our realm where it's like, once you get to a certain title, it is like, people think their shit doesn't stink. And I'm just (laughs) like, honey, come on. You fucked up too. (laughs) We all fuck up. (laughs) Like, it's okay to own your mistakes, but some people are just like, no, I didn't do anything wrong. Okay. Yeah, just based on their title or or their power. Yeah, or their pay grade or whatever. I'm just like, I don't have time for this. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I want to like serve students. Like that's that's my my why. Like why I do the work that I do. Like I want to serve students and I want to do the best for them. But there are people in my field who I see. And I'm like, that's not what you're here for. <laughs> that's good that you still feel that way though because I feel like it's so easy to like get burnt out in I mean any industry but some industries especially um and lose that like that passion for like actually caring about why you're there Mm -hmm. and that reason you should be there um yeah communications degree is that when you got into like reading and stuff (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know how to read until (laughs) now that's my dumb way of asking what got you into like reading poetry and things like that because that's the transition here (laughs) okay okay um yeah so i was like writing poetry since i was a kid uh 
yeah, it's kind of absurd. Um, I would like enter the the like poetry contest at our local library, like maybe when I was like seven or eight, mm-hmm. up to like twelve or something. And so I just like really like was always reading and was always writing. I don't know. I was writing like nonsense. You know what I mean? When yeah. you're little. <laughs> when you write when you're eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I basically loved reading and writing since like I was really, really little. So communications was just an extension of that. Like I couldn't see myself going to college and not taking any class where I had to write, um, that felt wrong. It was like, even if I'm going to do like a STEM degree, I have to mm-hmm. be writing some stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess to go back to answer your question to like little young Sarah, uh, she used to read like compulsively. I remember my parents like taking away one of the Harry Potter books for me because it was the sixth book I oh, like had it on hold at the library because my mom worked at the library and I walked there in the morning the day it was available and I like did not put it down for like 24 hours and I was like up in my room just just like not sleeping (laughs) (laughs) because I had to finish it um and then so it was like a lot of reading and then I got into writing fan fiction Mm, um, of, of Harry Potter Ah, yeah, so that was, like, big for me. It's funny, and <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. Like, I wrote, like, hundreds of thousands of words. Um, that makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, I lived for a long time. That was, like, my deepest, darkest secret. I would, like, not tell anyone. And then, because I was so embarrassed. And then the older I got, I was like, this is, like, great. It's so funny. Um, and so many people have done it mm-hmm. that I um have like read it or written fan fiction so I did that like in middle school and I would write like I think I wrote like 200,000 words one summer so I was just like not doing anything but like playing softball and writing (laughs) fan fiction (laughs) nice yeah um and then like in high school I like wrote a lot of poetry and I was like in the creative writing club and then it all in college I did um the slam poetry team for maybe two years and then yeah so I found like a lot of ways to kind of feed that writing writing urge nice yeah um so you did slam for a little bit what got you into doing slam because like that uh, high school is when I started when I learned what it was and like I heard a Saul Williams poem oh, and then yeah. like I just fell in love and now he's like my god (laughs) yeah he's so good um i it had to be youtube or something Mm -hmm. i think like what i was doing was there was a point in high school i also found out about like slam poetry in high school um there was a point where i was not wanting to read what they were giving me in school mm-hmm. and I was having trouble like finding poetry that was more current or that I could relate to um you know what I mean it, I don't know I there's like a certain thing that you're like kind of handed in in school and like I was like oh, I really like poetry but like this is not what I want to be reading so I was on the hunt and I think that's how I landed 
on it. And then when I got to college, it was really cool that there was even a team and like we did workshop writing workshops and like I just wanted to find other writers. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And it was terrifying because I'm not the like loudest person. I don't like love attention. So it was just a huge pivot for me to even like try to do that. Um, but it was a great, great experience. Yeah. That, that is what, um, I attribute 100% to me being a public speaker now is doing spoken word and slam poetry in college. Cause oh, like, I mean, I love attention personally, <laughs> if you know anything about me. That's good. I think <laughs> I'm very comfortable with it. Um, <laughs> but, um, when I was in college, like finding that voice, like that writerly voice was like, um, something that I latched onto pretty early and I was always really comfortable writing in my own speaking voice. Cause like I figured out a way to just fuck with grammar and punk with punk punctuation, all that other stuff. I even had one of my earliest writing professors give me like consistent D's and F's. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? This is good writing. Like, I know <laughs> this is good. And he was like, I can't tell if you know how to use proper grammar or punctuation. And I'm like, I'm doing this on purpose. <laughs> like, these are choices I'm making. I know the rules. Like, and then after that, he started like grading me properly. Because I was like, why are you doing this? Like, it makes no sense. I know what I'm doing. And like, it was really hard for me to like do it written all the time. So I was like, no, this is meant to be performed. Mm -hmm. So like, that's where I like shifted my entire focus from trying to rhyme everything and have like proper pentameter or whatever. Like, I was just like, no, I just need to like put some performance behind it yeah because i was tired of people just like living with it in like the written word i was like there's a time and place for that writing but here's where i want to use my poetry like where i want to take my voice awesome and like when did you start putting music or guitar behind it um so i don't know if you know this but i was the screamer in a call in my metal band in college awesome hell yeah right yeah um and that was from 07 to 2010 ish and right around and i had a really like robust robust uh music <laughs> um community in college and at oregon state and so i was just around a lot of talented people mm. and Everyone, I always felt like my writing, like my lyrics were better than everyone else's. I was like, I had like, I just felt that way because I was the only English major and everyone else was like, hmm, here's the thing. They were all <laughs> really good at music. I was better at writing. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try the other side of it too. So I bought a guitar and I tried to write stuff and it was very simple at first. <laughs> And um, I just started like trying to do like folk punk stuff like AJJ and trying to just like be, um, I don't know, uh, not controversial, but just like challenging people with their like, because there's always like a contemporary uh, Jason Mraz kind of guy with playing the acoustic guitar. I wanted to be the guy that's like 
folk punking it <laughs> and like telling stories and like not really caring about how I sang. Um, and so that was like 2011. So I've been making music like that and collaborating and stuff like that for ever since then. So, um, yeah, I would say it's been about almost 10 years since I started like fucking around with stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. It's a long time. <laughs> it's weird to think about that because, you know, I'm, I just put out two songs yesterday and I'm oh. like working on those with like other people who make better music than I could ever make. And I'm just like, if you have instrumentals that I can use, <laughs> I'll put words over it. <laughs> yeah. Then it's like, you know, you can be really passionate about the lyrics and someone can be really passionate about the music they're writing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's fun like that. Yeah. Have you experimented with any of that stuff? Um, like with music? Yeah. Or like putting music to poems or anything like that? Um, not really. I performed at this open mic once um, where there's a live band just improv um, backing the yeah. poem. So that was like really cool. But I've never uh, put any music to mm. my poem. Because, like, when I, I stopped doing slam in college, like, it started and stopped in college, and then I, like, sort of reverted back to just, like, written mm-hmm. written stuff and, like, uh, poetry on the page. So, I don't know. It's, like, intriguing to me, especially the folk punk stuff, and then also kind of, like, the heavy uh, instrumental noise, like, guitar noise, like, mm-hmm. that stuff is so cool uh yeah like touche more i love uh that that's like more music i would say than poetry but they do a great job uh mm-hmm. layering the way they they do their spoken word yeah yeah so like, it's so cool to me but yeah i stick to stick to typing yeah yeah I mean, that's totally valid i came up with me without you so like I had that storytelling in my brain all the time when it was, when it came to like how I would go perform. And I used to watch Aaron Weiss and I was like, I want to be like that. I want to yeah. go wild like that guy. <laughs> yeah, and then great. I found out about Law Dispute and I was like, what the fuck? There's more. Uh. There are more than, yeah, there, there's multiple people doing this. <laughs> Telling stories like this. Uh. That's true. It's like very narrative and, um, a lot of it is storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. What got you into the what What got you into the scene? Got you into the the tunes that you're into these days? Because I always see you at the gig. That's where we always cross paths. <laughs> I love the gig. Um, I really, I have loved the gig since high school, um, because it, it's just a great. I don't know. It just. It, when I started going to gigs, it was like, wow. And similar to going to poetry gigs um, and, like, open mics or whatever, it's you come into a place where there are people who like the same thing as you, uh, which, you know, maybe that's common for a lot of people. But, like, I feel like poetry is pretty niche. And then, like, a lot of emo music is can be kind of niche. Mm-hmm. So uh, once I found out that there were, like, spaces that – that I could occupy that like other people like the same thing as me. I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. Um, but yeah, I like, like I listened to indie music and I was obsessed with green day and 
back back in the day, I was obsessed with Green Day, and also like um, my dad is like he liked a lot of punk music, so I like heard a lot of punk music growing up. So it was like a normal thing for me, uh, and then I just like started liking it more and more and then I started actually going out into the world with it and like going to gigs and talking to people about it. I was like, like I said, it's like, this is great. This is my life now. Yeah. Yeah. I can do nothing else but get to the gig. <laughs> Yo, um, when I was, yeah. so back in, I think the first show I ever went to was like in 2002, 2003. And um, it was like a church just chilling out in a church basement. Um, and I can't even remember who was playing, but it was a friend's like screamo band. Like before it was like a real big thing. And I was like, what is, what is this? Why is this happening? And I did not get it at first until like, I actually got into like more music. And then I ended up seeing like, I saw like Amberlynn and Reliant K in a church basement or a church gymnasium. I should say like just seeing like, brand new in the starting line before they like both blew up and RIP, but like yeah. my dreams and memories, RIP, I suppose. Um, <laughs> more like, but, um, um, yeah, just like learning. There's like such a camaraderie behind like just going to the shows and like being in the crowd. And then in college, like I just did gig running. Like I just booked, like all the bands in my college town and put on all the shows. And that's like the life that I had. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. It was a good time. But like, that's actually what got me into doing more of the, like actually like doing more of the poetry um, performing because like for the time when I didn't have a band, mm. since I was the one booking, I would just like, <laughs> put myself on bills <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah why not yeah and i would because i i saw do you know who bradley hathaway is i don't know he's a spoken word guy but he would um perf he would tour with like i think the first time i saw him was with blindside and me without you and a couple other bands but um i saw him a couple times but he would just travel with bands and do poetry during um set up and tear down oh. and um that's like what I always wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very cheap date. Like, just take me on the road. <laughs> I'll do poetry <laughs> while you guys are setting up and tearing down. And then that'll be it. And that's kind of what I did a little bit in college. It was fun. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's so much. I mean, setting up during set up and tear down, I can get so antsy waiting for the next band. I would love if they had poets <laughs> that would be great I, I would like really love that <laughs> well into what you were saying like youtube basically um like revolutionized the way that a lot of poetry was getting heard and seen i think button poetry specifically was like a big deal oh yeah yeah i remember when they first uh first started making videos mm -hmm. and then it just like exploded I think Neil Hilborn did a lot for spoken word poetry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He actually has quite a few, like, punk poems. Mm -hmm. Like, it's about, yeah, um, which is very cool. 
He's a really cool guy. I met him a couple years ago when he, Kitty had booked him at Leslie, and we got to chat a little bit. He and I are very similar people to like a, almost a fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's so interesting when you meet someone who's so similar to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because like this is a weird thing to just like throw out. Um, when I first met you. Your vibe was like when I first met Julian Baker. I was like, you guys are very similar people. I wish you could both be in the same room right now. <laughs> That's so interesting. Um, so my friend uh, or my coworker slash friend Jenna, when I first met her, she was like, oh, you sort of look like Julian Baker. And I had never heard of Julian Baker. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started listening um, to her. Yeah. Changed my life, but <laughs> she's changed my yeah. life. She's a really fun, fantastic human being. So when I when I first met you, I was like, "That's fucking wild that there could be two people with very similar vibes out in the world." But that wow. happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you. are you like reading and writing these days? Where are you getting inspiration? Um, let me think. So I have been reading. Well, I've been reading poetry. I'm always reading poetry. I try to never stop. Um, but I've been reading a lot of, like, essays, so I finished Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay, mm-hmm. um, which came out, you know, a few years ago, but is still relevant. There were some, like, references in there that I was like, wow, this stuff's still happening, and, um, uh, so I would still recommend it, uh, and it's like, I've been trying to read things that are more, you know, feminist or, um, uh, not don't have any men in that. there you go yeah so that is something that i like maybe in like 2017 was like all right i'm gonna take a step back from the emo music i'm getting into and the poems and just like look at the media i'm consuming um this is sort of a tangent from what from what's inspiring no, me please right please continue yeah <laughs> this moment where i was like wow uh, i started feeling bad at gigs um just because I was like, oh, there are always men on the stage, and and I'm always like, I'm like feel emotional, but like what emo- like I don't know, like what is the topic of these lyrics? And like, you know, I started getting super kind of. Um, it was like around the time like all the brand new stuff happened, probably, and mm-hmm. um, or like a little bit before that. And I was like, all right, I want to just like consciously listen to. Uh, people who are not men mm-hmm. who are making music and like read more things. So I've like tried to continue that. And I find like the more I do that, um, like we were talking about when I, like when we first went to gigs, like when I first went to gigs, I was like, Oh my God, um, everyone here like likes the same things. I like, like I feel more at home here than I did before. And then, you know, listening to women singing about like women's issues or even just singing about whatever they feel like it or making music. Uh, I felt like more at home, even more at home in music than like I did before. I was like, whoa, uh, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so cool because it's so easy to be like, uh, you listen to music and then like Spotify just recommends you the same type of music and like all your friends are listening to the same stuff and you can um, just kind of get on a path of just listening to the same type of stuff. Um, so yeah, I've been like trying to consciously like look at the books I'm reading. And so Roxanne Gay's Bad Feminist was great. I finished that last month. 
and a few books of poetry. So I try to like get inspiration just like about how they frame things and talk about things, um, their viewpoint in the world. Um, and I just started Trick Mirror. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's also a book of essays. Um, yeah. Cool. So far, yeah. Do you know who the author is? Yeah, I think her name is Gia Tolentino, something. (laughs) You said Trick Mirror. Trick Mirror, yeah. I'm always really bad with authors until I, like, have to talk about it. But I always know the titles. (laughs) (laughs) Reflections of Self-Delusion. Yeah, Gia Tolentino. Yep. Um, yeah, it's really good so far. Cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'll give yeah. that a, I'll check that one out. Um, cause I'm also trying to like, not only consume from white dudes. Yeah. It's kind of my cross to bear, but <laughs> I'm trying to like be better educated at, um, different perspective, differing perspectives so that I'm not just like, and that was something that I took up like a while back. So yeah yeah not always great at it because like kind of as noted like the music scene's always been there from like always i've always been represented in the music scene everything so like when a lot of stuff was happening like gender wise or like sexual assault wise and i was like oh right yeah that's a problem (laughs) it's a yeah it's a problem and it's so real uh yeah it like it's not surprising uh, yeah for some reason I find that like reading essays and personal essays are really inspiring to me to like write and create anything mm-hmm. uh, even if I'm like writing poetry I find that like reading nonfiction just like does good things to my brain <laughs> for sure I actually really relate to that because for a period there I wasn't reading any sort of like um fiction really I was only reading essays and I took a class I took two classes in college one was um I took more than two classes in college but (laughs) I took two whole classes and got two whole degrees um there was um a class on the um it was just straight up personal essay writing like every week we basically had to write something different about our lives um with like longer pieces and whatnot which was like a whole process of like discovering your voice discovering what kind of story to tell yeah like what's actually that was one of the things that i had to like really learn is like what's actually important in telling a story Because half the time a story is like, I told way too much context before I got to what actually matters. Kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, (laughs) And then the other one was called the um, spiritual autobiography, where Mm. we read just a bunch of like memoirs and stuff from like monks and um, like, like faith based writers. And Mm. that like, really opened my eyes to how you can get into like, tearing apart your psyche (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes that you can do that if you really want to (laughs) but like that's where i think that the best writing comes from is when you're like self-interrogating you know oh yeah um yeah there was this this class that i took a poetry class recently where we talked about the idea of like when you're writing a poem 
it sort of exists in like this subconscious area and it's not fleshed out and it's like this weird nebulous thing but you have a feeling or like an urge like I want to express this then you have to like battle yourself in order to get it out Mm -hmm. and in battling yourself sometimes you like learn things Mm -hmm. about your process or about yourself or about your psyche and, and it's really cool like the creative process I think even earlier today, I was like working on a piece. Then I was like, I just need to put this one aside. <laughs> I need to step away from this one. Like I was like, sometime at some point, this one's going to break and I'll be able to get through it. But right now it's not the time. So it's like a lot of learning that too is like not forcing the words out. Yeah. Because sometimes you're just not going to win the battle in that moment. And you're not going to feel good about it if, either. If you just like force something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just going to be like, this is contrived. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Here's all the extra context. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not super, um, not super excited about the stuff that comes out in those moments because then I'm like, I look back at it and I'm like, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> like, even now as a grown ass adult, like I go back and look at some of the stuff that I wrote just like two, two or three years ago. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah i totally get that um i get that Uh, what have you been like what have you been inspired by lately Um, so i have been doing a lot of uh i've been doing a lot of writing on the idea of fear and i have been trying to like kind of deconstruct how fear motivates people and how it is like the thing how it motivates people how it divides people and how it like brings us all together in a lot of ways um and i've just been trying to like write through that um and like the album that i'm going to be putting out in the fall um which this will be the first time i say it out loud it's going to be called the problem of pain and that's based off of a c.s lewis book um, so I've been reading a lot of C.S. Lewis, <laughs> um, which is like, tends to be my spiritual guide through questioning the universe. Cause like, uh, before he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, he wrote a bunch of angry books about not liking the church <laughs> and getting divorced and all this other stuff, um, that some people don't pay attention to, but I love it. And, um, so it, that's motivated me a lot. Um, I tend to always go back to Walt Whitman in times like this, mm-hmm. um, especially like he was my big quote unquote muse in college. Um, so I took a lot from his writing and I still do when I need like a moment of um, reminding myself that things can be okay. Not that they're going to be okay, but they can be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> I come back to that a lot. And so I've been writing a lot about just like surviving life in this moment really none of it's really positive yet though (laughs) i find that it's very hard to write um positive things it's like the touche mori song it's hard to write content yeah um yes there is a great poet uh roske and he has a whole book called like a catalog of unabashed gratitude Hmm. And it's amazing because um, 
there's just so much positivity and like gratitude mm-hmm. in the and because like often when I'm writing it's also about uh things that are maybe not positive and it takes me a long time to get to something that is positive mm-hmm. but it's like so great to have like a whole book of poems that is just like based on that idea of gratitude because mm-hmm. you can come in contact with so much art that's not I guess I like that. I might look that one up because I need those kinds of reminders and kicks in the ass to like actually remind myself that things are things are going to be okay in like better in like more updated versions rather than Walt Whitman's gaze. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he has a lot of great things uh, to say, and that's why he has stuck around. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because like I'm always telling my students to have like gratitude and appreciate the moment and things like that. And like I just have a hard time being present sometimes, which is why I like doing conversations like this, because it kind of like um, is like a really good opportunity to just be here and just chat and live like in the moment. And I do this thing on my campus called the Appreciation Station, where people can stop by a table and then write a nice little note of gratitude and then we'll give it to the campus or we'll hide it or you can give it to a friend. And I need to like listen to my own um, preachings <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> you have to uh, write little notes of gratitude and have Katie hide them around yeah. the house. <laughs> I, might have, I might have them do that. All right, it's time for the music break portion of the podcast. I'm bringing you a song from the new Warriors album. It is called You or Someone You Know. This track is called Power Couple, all caps P-W-R-C-P-L-E, Power Couple. Uh, It is a fantastic song off that album. just came out earlier this month. You can get a CD, digital copy, or vinyl copy by going to 6131records.com or going over to warriors.bandcamp.com and support the band, support the label, especially right now when a A lot of tours are getting canceled and a lot of bands really need support right now. So go get yourself a physical copy, digital copy, stream it anywhere. Just give the band some support. Um, And right now I'm going to play you the song Power Couple by Warriors. short pier Every complaint is a nail in the coffin I get it You still hate it here So my space at the warehouse Left my things and just let it bleed out I love the person you are to everyone else but this lost of heartbreak is wearing me out I said
That was Power Couple by Worriers. Go get their new album, You or Someone You Know, from 6131records.com. Get a digital copy, physical copy, CD, vinyl, whatever you you prefer to listen to. Uh, stream it anywhere. Get yourself a copy. Support the band. Support the label, 6131records.com or worriers.bandcamp.com or find them anywhere on social media. All right, let's round out this conversation with Sarah Lito. So I'm going to ask you some lightning round questions and you can take however long you need. I can edit this, whatever. (laughs) Um, But what is your favorite color? My favorite color is lavender. Lavender. Light purple. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you also like how dark we've gotten in our videos? Yes. I (laughs) have no overhead light. We don't really either. It's a, it's like a, lamp post but it or a lamp lamp post <laughs> very dumb my <laughs> lamp post um what is your favorite food oh that's a hard one yeah i just like i don't have a i have a favorite food group and it's vegetables yeah vegetables <laughs> yeah i think I, in, in the whole experience experience of this podcast you're the first to say vegetables wow I love them. They make me feel great and they're colorful. Uh, no complaints. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Hell yeah. What's your favorite <laughs> vegetable? Uh, eggplant for sure. Oh, wow. It's a hot take, but I, I just grew up eating it a lot. So <laughs> I can't. I have one in my fridge right now. I'm going to make like vegan eggplant parm sometimes. Nice. Yeah. Are you vegan then? I'm a vegetarian. Okay, but that's cool. I try to dairy. My stomach doesn't love it, so <laughs> mm, same. Um, I stopped eating meat for like seven years, and then I got back onto it like a year and a half ago. So <sighs> I'm a terrible person again, and I love it. <laughs> if you love it, good. But my Why stomach did not like it for a while. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Um, what is your favorite movie? Oh no, that's so hard. <laughs> uh, I actually always have a lot of trouble with this question because I don't watch a ton of movies like more than once. Um, kind of the same too, though. Yeah, I really, I really liked. I guess my favorite movie that I saw last year was The Farewell. I thought mm. it was great. I want to rewatch that for sure. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. Dang, I'm going to have to get every streaming service. <laughs> Do you, yeah, if you have Amazon Prime, you're fine. But I go, I'm assuming you don't right now. I do not know. I have Hulu and uh, HBO. Cool. Yeah. I think I'm covered. Cool. I also, um, I really love Wally. That was my favorite movie for like a long time. Because, hmm. um, you know, it's just. The robots are kind of like, they're just cute, and I it made me cry. I don't know. <laughs> I've watched it so many times, but I don't feel like as attached to it anymore, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a new favorite movie. Hmm. Yeah. I also loved The Farewell last year. I think it was my number one movie last year. That and Parasite and Uncut Gems. Oh, I haven't seen Uncut Gems yet. It's very good. It is nice. wild. <laughs> It's a trip. Yeah. Just like, I, if you have anxiety issues, take a pill. 
Everyone has said that. Yep. <laughs> About it. It's true. And I did. I knew nothing going into it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Adam Sandler playing a serious role. Cool. And then I was like, oh, fuck. For like yeah. two hours. Um, what's your favorite place that you've ever traveled? Oh, wow. That's a, that's such a. <laughs> hard, also see, hard. these are the hard hitting questions. <laughs> Lightning round my ass. No, uh, <laughs> let's see. I like just started traveling maybe in like the last few years. Like up until then, I hadn't really left New England. Um, and I think that like all of the places that I've enjoyed traveling, it's because of the people that I've like spent time with there. So it's always so um, like dependent on that. But I actually really loved. Portland, Oregon, that, yeah, the Pacific Northwest was great. Uh, we took, like, a road trip up the coast, and we, we ended there uh, in Portland, and it was, like, the end of the trip, we saw some friends, like, it was just, like, so relaxing. So that was, like, really great, and that was, yeah, I think that's a big one. I really also enjoyed uh, going to the Netherlands, hmm. because everyone bikes there, which is great. Everyone should bike everywhere. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's just like there's all this infrastructure for it and everyone uh, everyone just does it. It's just really cool to see. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, what's what's a favorite book of yours? Is it just Harry Potter or is there more? <laughs> um, yeah, of course. It's, it's the sixth Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> Because I read it in one sitting, um, and it's like a thousand pages long. Oh, my favorite book. My favorite book is a book of poetry. It's called "Calling a Wolf a Wolf" mm. by Kave Akbar. Okay. Yeah, and um, it's about like a lot of like it explores like a lot of identity, identity things, and um, like alcoholism and. And things like that. Um, he's just so great. I, I That's like a book that I go to very often and reread. And like, yeah, I don't know. It's just really good. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, especially like what you just described. I might need to look that one up too. So I'm trying to like read a lot from like people in recovery or just like people who've like struggled with alcoholism. Because it's like finally starting to come out in my writing. So like... Exploring that a little bit more is like a a good challenge for me, I suppose. Um, yeah, you should check it out. He is just so good. He's just so good <laughs> at um, taking feelings and experiences and like battles that you have with yourself and putting them into these just like beautiful, beautiful words. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like to end on music. Nice. What is what are you listening to? What should people listen to? Maybe like what's an all time favorite for you? All Album, right. band, whatever. Take this however you will. Okay. Um late so I got a tattoo in like February and while I was getting it, the tattoo artist and I were talking, um, and they mentioned Chastity Belt and I had forgotten mm-hmm. about Chastity Belt. Uh, I hadn't listened to them for so long and so I just got back into them, and I've been listening to them like nonstop. Nice. Um, so 
if you haven't listened to them, you should listen to them. Um, yeah, they're super great. And, like, some of my all-time favorites are, I mean, Circa is one of my all-time favorites, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, one of my all-time favorite albums. Um, yeah, that's so hard. Music is, like, <laughs> so many favorite albums. <laughs> There's too many. Too many. What was, I, your, what was your favorite last year? My favorite last year was Patience by Mannequin Pussy. Yeah, that was in my top ten. It's so good. Uh, so that and Remind Me Tomorrow by Sharon Van Etten were like tied for my top two. Mm. Um, but definitely it was Patience. Patience was like, you know, I had just listened to it nonstop for like a month. It's so good. It's literally so good. The like, it's. I could talk about it for hours. I. Well, I mean, we can. We have it. We can. We can spend as much time on this as we want. I yeah. love how balanced the album is, and like how they basically sound like multiple different bands in one album, which is just blows my fucking mind. Yeah, their sound it evolves, but it evolves in a way that like makes complete sense, like in the album. It and. Uh, also, like the lyrical themes, I think it's like so. It's like when you look at it together, it takes like a whole narrative of like healing and processing and being angry. So good. Yeah. No, I love yeah. that. Um, hell yeah! Thank yeah. you so much for spending some time with me. Yeah. Thank you. All right, that's it. We did it. Another episode in the books. Thanks so much to my friend Sarah for sitting down and chatting with me during these difficult times of the coronavirus quarantine and self-isolation. Probably going to be recording the next few conversations that I have with folks through this uh, through this uh, means. Uh, not going to be having many in-person interviews for a minute, even though we're literally in the same city as some of the people I'm going to be talking to. That's fine. Whatever. We got to do what we got to do. And I want to continue putting out uh, episodes because I have a lot of fun doing this. And um, this episode, you got to hear tunes from the new Warriors album, You or Someone You Know. Um, I already played a, bits of a couple songs, and I'm going to leave you with a little bit of the song Curious. Uh, you can get the record at 6131records.com. You can go to warriors.bandcamp.com, get a physical copy, digital copy, support the band, support the labels. That's what I want to see, especially in this time where people need some support and some love. You can also find more wonderful educational content at connectedu.network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more about all the cool higher education and education in general uh, information and resources that we have available for you. That's really all I have. Going to be chilling out for a couple weeks here at home. So if anyone wants to chat, hit me up. Um, We'll just like hang out. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, let's get to work. In a 
disconnected friends won't save me Tell them all my secrets For the sake of some big true identity